Thanks for tuning in to Gin and Tantra. In this episode we're calling A Letter to Einstein, we conclude our discussion on mindfulness and we discuss physics and reality and does society harm or benefit traditions of thought, philosophy, and even religion. We talk about the monetization of authenticity and trying to maintain these more traditional ideas from where they came and the difficulty in blending them into a more modern society and how that plays out in today's world. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to Gin and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail. Your spirit has been longing for. Now, isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. So, you know, I think this is a, you know, maybe a good time to drop the Einstein letter. All right. So the backstory of this thing is, I guess Einstein would take an all, I think I did know this. Einstein would take in all kinds of letters from the general public. And with him having a reputation of being this, you know, super intelligent person, people would write him all kinds of things. As far as I know him, because he's kind of a, a person I admire a lot. You, you admire Einstein too, Daniel? I don't think oh, yeah, for sure. About I literally, in my office, sitting right next to my desk, I have my one of my favorite quotes from Albert Einstein. Imagination is more important than knowledge. For while knowledge defines all we currently know and understand, imagination points to all that we might yet discover and create. Ah, great. My daughter got me a t-shirt with one <laughs> mm. where he says something like, I only know of two things that are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. <laughs> and, I'm not and then he says, and I'm not sure about the first one. <laughs> sure about the second one. Yes. That's a little bit how I feel about some of this culture, the stuff when it comes up in America. So, you know, anyways. Um, so, but, so people would write him about uh, you know, their problems, just about things that happen in their life. And it's, um, it's a pretty powerful one here there was uh, a rabbi who had the death of a, a child. And so he was dealing with the grief of it. And I think he was also trying to explain it to his daughter who was grieving it. And he was really going through you know, a hard time with this. So you can do a search online. You can read his letter as well. Mm -hmm. And so he wrote this to Einstein. And um, you know, Einstein would reply to these letters. Wow. You know, he would actually do that, which is you know, a, a, an admirable thing for someone to do just mm -hmm. already. So he writes back and he says, a human being is part of the world called by us universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences, he or she experiences her or himself, but he's using the male pronouns here. So he experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings as something separate from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. Interesting. The striving to free oneself from this delusion is the one issue of true religion. 
not to nourish the delusion, but to try to overcome it is the way to reach the attainable measure of peace of mind. And then he concludes with, with my best wishes, sincerely yours, Albert Einstein. Mm. Yeah. So I think Zinn's point, now actually it's funny because, you know, uh, Lama Glenn, one of our recent interviewees brought up the same quote and I actually wasn't familiar with it. Neither was so that. was cool. So it came back again multiple times. I think Jung calls that synchronicity. But, um, uh, uh, you know, I think what's interesting about that, the point that Zinn is making is, well, here's one of your greatest scientists ever. Mm. And is he not describing things that have a kind of a, if you, even if you don't want to say Buddhist, that don't have a spiritual vibe to them? I think he probably is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, like Daniel could frame this one and put it on his desk, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> because the, the goal to overcome optical delusions. Mm -hmm. I mean, isn't that what this whole show is about? <laughs> is about pretty much right. Trying, tr the striving to free oneself from this delusion is the one issue of true religion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the point that Zinn is making is if you say that this isn't sciency, well, then what does what does that mean about what Einstein is saying? You know, mm -hmm. is, is he another person who can comment on what is sciency or not sciency, right? or what is not under the purview of what science is trying to do. Because I think you could argue that his work, not that we're gonna do a whole tangent on Einstein, though we probably could do a whole show and probably should. Um, but you know, like that's part of his work too. Mm -hmm. The free people of their illusions and delusions about how nature and the universe work. I mean, that's probably his true passion and the use of his imagination. Like from the quote that you have, that's what he's trying to do. So I don't know, it raises an interesting question. You know, if you're gonna say that this is if your argument from the sciencey side is saying that this is not sciencey enough or is too religious, I don't know. It raises an interesting question about Einstein's quote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I guess we've talked about this quote several times, or this, you know, this letter um, several times. I guess, I, and I haven't looked it up, and I'm just sort of reading it. I'm up and you know, as we're kind of talking, I'm just sort of rereading it um, as we're speaking here. But I think that's that's right. I mean. This is right, and what's interesting, really, about Einstein is that, like, his his thought, his you know version of where science went, was was also shared by other people, you know, at that yeah, same yeah. time. He sort of gets, you know, because of the because of his theories, gets put sort of, you know, he's sort of like the father of relativity. But he wasn't the only one who was thinking about this at the time. But I think that like this, the move from Newtonian physics to relative physics, and for those who are not familiar with physics it, in, in that sense, you're moving from the sort of visible, um, very easily, not easily, but relatively easily definable um, thought of the world existing as like cue balls or as like, a, uh, as like a game of pool where certain molecules collide with other ones. And then that, that changes how the other ones are moving and the whole universe exists like this to the, to, to the thought of the universe from a relativistic it's what I call relative um, physics or modern physics is that it's not so clear cut, right? Is that it's not just a very clearly defined ball striking another ball or a very clear fist, you know, striking another person's face. It's, it's the energy that is not necessarily defined by such clear boundaries, right? And that we're not so clearly bound even to our own skin, referencing what we mentioned earlier, and that it's more potential of things to be and how that then affects the environment around them. And that really all things are 
ultimately connected one way or another because they are connected to everything. And for you know those who think that this is a little bit highfalutin thought, just think for a moment, your foot is on the ground right now, if you're, unless you're sitting cross-legged, but if you're on the ground, your foot's on the ground, the ground's connected to some building, the building is connected to cement, cement is connected somewhere to some water, that water makes its way to a larger waterway, that larger waterway makes its way to a lake or a river, or an ocean and that you know ocean then that water gets evaporated and put in the clouds and makes clouds and it rains all over the world and then it repeats itself so things are connected and i think that like just the ideology of moving beyond um what we take as reality the delusion of our perception of reality probably isn't the work of the masses actually and so now that that i'm kind of speaking in for a moment like this this probably has always been the case, Eric, actually, is that ideas have to find their fertile ground, you know, and that as the population grows, as the education diminishes, unfortunately, and as misinformation and distraction are abundant, those that are left to hear and do something about it have to actually do so. And so if we're going to free ourselves from the delusion um, of this perspective, then it's up to us to do so and to have discussions like this and hope that we can possibly um, influence those who are hearing it and that they might do the same for their friends and their family. I got like a couple of reactions to it. I think on the optical delusion, optical delusion part and the interconnectivity part, which I mean, JK uh, Z is talking about too, you know, this, and Lama Glenn said something similar, right? Which is, you know, this gives you this feeling like things that are close and immediate are more important than things that are far away. Mm -hmm. And it's just not true. <laughs> it's not true. Um, and I guess if I get to the, uh, you know, and listening to what you're saying, like my, my own personal emotional reaction, which I will be honest to, not about what exactly what you're saying, but about, you know, part of the conversation is, there's a part of me that has this concern of, will this culture just go and ruin Buddhism too? <laughs> will it just go ruin Taoism too? Or does it work for the benefit of Buddhism and Taoism to have more things, ex more exposure, so people develop more familiarity and comfort with these ideas? And it'll allow things to spread more easily. It'll create a more fertile soil using your imagery, right? Mm -hmm. It'll be part of the manure. <laughs> I went there. Mm -hmm. Part of the manure to create a more fertile soil, you know, for other ideas too. Which of course, I'm just teasing about it being manure, it's not. But, um, you know, like, does that, is that actually how it'll work? And, you know, maybe in a way that works even well for the things that I personally happen to love, you know, mm -hmm. which other people don't happen, don't need to love either, but I happen to love them. Um, so it raises those kinds of weird questions for me. But I mean, maybe in the, an optimistic point of view, you would say it does make for a more accepting culture and maybe more things become more acceptable within the culture. And that'd be the optimistic take. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that in this, this goes back to some of our discussions about, you know, traditional, you know, tradition versus adaptation, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think there's always going to be lineage holders for, most lineages that are well rooted, you know, and there's always going to be the watering down as time goes on, because that's just the nature of information, right? Telephone, the game telephone. Um, but overall, if we can 
have, if we value something, we're probably likely going to try and, and keep it in a special place. You know, so people value their children or some money. They keep their kids in a safe place. They don't just let them wander around the streets. Hopefully not. You know, they value money. And so they keep it in a bank or somewhere safe. You know, so I feel like those that are going to value it will keep the information, you know, deep within them, not that they're going to lock it away from the rest of the world, but it'll be in fertile soil, it'll be in a good spot. And for those who are just coming and going will pass by the material and maybe it'll influence them at some point later in life. Um, but the, the monetization and bastardization of any and all information for the purpose of personal gain or short-term money-making is not limited to just this, cu this culture. It's more the Western idea of capitalization. Yeah, but that's really where it gets kind of interesting because there's a part of me that has that suspicion of that process. And I guess even doing a show like this would be, let me try to be as authentic as I can be about mm -hmm. this while mm -hmm. still making the, um, adaptations that you're talking about mm -hmm. right to make things real for people i mean that's actually the goal of this yes against a backdrop of like you know you having grown up in american culture <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me the capitalistic parts of it that you're talking about you know this idea of just you know i'm suspicious of that mm -hmm. it tends to ruin things yes right so you know but then again, it doesn't make sense that people shouldn't get benefit from an app or shouldn't right. get benefit from their stress reduction so that my right. thing that I happen to like doesn't get like a stain on it. <laughs> That's not really that good of a Buddhist attitude either or a Taoist attitude or any attitude that is positive. So, you know, it probably is like how this will play itself out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But that's that's the dilemma, right? That's always a dilemma. Yeah. And that's the dilemma with, you know, raising kids. It's a dilemma with, with teaching, you know, even like in school um, or sharing anything in general is that you, someone is very excited about some particular thing and they want to tell their friends about it. But the perception of the person who experienced it in the first place can never fully transmit all of their excitement to somebody else. They can only hope to, you know, share that with somebody and hope that that person goes then seeks and has their own experience with that same thing. And they can kind of like, dude, oh man, whoa, you know, like that, that kind of thing. But, you know, fortunately we have a, a lot more ways to connect, you know, than we ever have before, which is, you know, obviously pros and cons of communication in this way. But if we're going to take the positive route that hopefully there's more people who are you know sharing positive things as opposed to negative ones then you know then this stuff does take seed with those who have a little bit more of a open heart you know or are seeking in one way shape or another and if this takes them away from their psychological uh evaluations and processes to do something deeper or different then that's fine too because you know who knows what's right or wrong in someone's path it's not for me to say Yes, yeah, so I guess we just get to the end of the episode because I think we got to take a break in it. I, yeah. the, the closer for me would be what? Like, I can respect what uh, 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 JKZ is doing, making yeah. things available to more people. Yes. You know? I won't begrudge him his one to $10 million. Because, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. Um, uh, if he has the big money grip, good for him. Yeah. Um, for me, it's kind of like what we're trying to do here, my feeling of it, and this is again, just a personal thing is I want to make things that are, um, 
not not being put through this permutation as much, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe even put differently, like things that are trying to resist those trends within the culture, you know, mm -hmm. to speak to the people who are kind of looking for a different way, mm -hmm. you know, who are trying to say no to some of these negative aspects of the culture. Mm. So the fact that we kind of keep fighting the good fight in that direction is good, while also like not begrudging people doing it in another way that also benefits people as well. I suppose that's the conclusion, the concluding answer to all of this pondering. Yeah. Yeah, as we've talked this through with one another, and yes. our session is coming to a close. That's all the time we have for this week. We can <laughs> up next week, I think our hour is about over. Yeah, it's like that. That's probably where we come to, right? Yes. Yeah, I I uh, I agree. Is that is that your your party shot for today, my friend? Yeah, I think what we'll do next week uh, or next time we record, you and me, is we'll just go through and kind of just do a little closer on this because there's a little bit more to say. But otherwise, I think we got to a good place. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I want to. Yeah. Healing happened. <laughs> healing happened. Yeah, I, I think next time we should talk about some of the specific uh, techniques of it mm -hmm. and, and how those could be expanded upon. And actually how this is really kind of like an introduction to a larger meditative practice. And maybe we can kind of take that into uh, the next maybe episode or series of episodes on meditation itself. So this might be a good bridge. Yeah, see um, how it rolls it out. That. Yeah. I think yeah. I have some specific, I don't even want to say they're critiques, but I think there's observations to be made about yeah. this. Stuff. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. I, yeah, the, the technical stuff we can hold off um, to next time. That's why I waited on my response to that book that you mentioned earlier. So I uh, gotcha, yeah. Perfect. All right, well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, I hope that you found this uh, useful and enlightening uh, as we kind of uh, broke down the, the letters to Einstein and our thoughts on uh, mindfulness in, in today's current climate. Uh, we hope to see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Gin and Tantra. For Eric, this is Daniel. Peace.